Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. We open your Bible with me to Hebrews chapter 10. If you're not standing, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. How many are there today? Say, oh yeah. Amen. Amen. How about it? We ready to dive in the word of God today? Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters. Again, thank you for standing to honor the reading of God's word. Therefore, brothers and sisters. Since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the fresh and living way that he inaugurated for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, by the way, everything we're going to read this morning, this is just two sentences, like seven verses, but they're comprised of two really, really cool, well-written sentences here, right? So he says this, since we have the confidence now to enter into the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by what he did for us on the cross, through the curtain, through his flesh. In other words, because Jesus came and he died, he made the way. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here we go, verse 22, let us draw, just to make sure I'm reading the same chapter you guys are, let us draw near with a sincere heart in the assurance that faith brings. Because we have had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Verse 23, and let us hold unwaveringly to the hope that we confess. For the one who made the promise is trustworthy. And let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works. Did you catch the three let us's in there? That was a question. Yeah, we caught, okay, let, let's read it again then. Let us draw near, right? We see in that? Verse 23, let us hold unwaveringly, right? And 24, let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works. Verse 25, comma there, not abandoning our meeting as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other for even more so as you see the day drawing near. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word. We pray, God, that the power of your Holy Spirit would rest upon this room, rest upon every single person in here. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would draw people deeper to you today. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those who are afar off today, Lord, that you will draw them in. God, those watching today via live stream, those hearing this maybe in another room in the building or watching in the community room or wherever they may be, God, I pray right now that you would touch them, that you would release your Holy Spirit on them right now. Draw them to you. God, I pray that you would manifest yourself in hearts and lives that are surrendered in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. We see here the writer of Hebrews starts with two sense statements. So what he's going to do now, is he's going to recap what he's already been stating that we covered last week. And, and really this, this past couple months we've talked about uh, what, what, what he is emphasizing here in these last two chapters. 
He's emphasizing the greatness of Jesus. He's emphasizing the greatness of what Jesus has done. And why is he doing this? Because there's people tempted to turn back to religion. There were people that he was writing to. They were getting pressure from their community, from their neighborhood, from the people around him, and they were tempted to go back to religion. They were tempted to go back to the religious things they had done before. And he's saying, here, I, I want to make this point. Jesus is the great high priest. Remember last week we talked about this. He forgave sins, and when he forgives sins, he doesn't cover them up. He doesn't help you cope with them. He, he takes them away. They're gone. They're cleansed. So he said, we have confidence now to enter into his presence because he has opened this way for us through his blood. How many know we're saved by the blood of Jesus? How many know we're not saved by good works? How many know we stay saved by our belief in the blood of Jesus? We don't stay saved by good works. Right? Some people think, well, you know, and I still hear this, and it's amazing the, the confusion. They think, well, you know, I, I have to do good things to either get saved or stay saved. But I want to tell you, how we got saved is how we stay saved. We stay saved by believing in the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did. We stay saved the same way. We have to continue to believe in the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did. You see this right here. So how we start is how we finish. It was our belief in Jesus. It was our surrendering to and following him that saved us. We will stay saved how? By continuing to believe in Jesus who has opened the way for us. Why would the writer of Hebrews and other New Testament writers basically spend an entire book encouraging people to, uh, as the great theologian Steve Perry said, don't stop believing, right? Why would he pray a whole book is dedicated? <laughs> Come on, some of y'all got a song stuck in your head now. We got to just move on. I just got to just got to move on, right? By the way, the guy that wrote that song is is saving the Lord now. He got saved. Jonathan Cain, right? Con, Cain, Con, Cain, Con, King Con. Okay. Since we have a great high priest who was in charge of God's house, and he's great, why? Again, because he forgives sin. And when he forgives sin, he was the perfect sacrifice. So, again, sin isn't covered or hidden. It's removed and cleansed. That's really good news. So here's the thing. You've had, if you are in Christ, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if Jesus has come in and transformed you, I want to give you a, a declaration today. You've had, the you've had the main obstacle removed between you and and doing incredible things for God. You realize that? Have you thought, what could I do for God if all the obstacles were removed? Well, I got good news for you. The biggest one was removed, so how are we looking, right? Jesus removed the obstacle. He took the sin that was blocking the way, right? He opened, you catch that language? He opened the way for us, right? It's like our lead blocker went in and knocked the linebacker's teeth out, and now you're running free through the hole, right? And now you're in the secondary, and you just have to, you just have to keep running towards the end zone because Jesus was our lead blocker, and he picked up the linebacker who was set to cover the A gap or the B gap, and suddenly... We are wide open, and I want to tell you, that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's why he's better than any other. And he said, I've removed the obstacles. What are you going to do now? <laughs> Sorry, that football illustration didn't. 
I always know I lose a certain percentage of people when I talk sports, so I, I hesitate. So since this is all true, the writer of Hebrews has been making this point, and now, now he comes to the therefore. Because Jesus was the lead blocker, because he opened the way, because he dropped the devastating block, and we have 85 yards through the south, right? You saw Ezekiel Elliott run through, <laughs> run through Alabama for 85 yards in the, in, in, the, in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago. And those of you that are fans of Ohio State, you know that play is called 85 yards through the heart of the south. And it, it was sprung by a wide receiver that came and laid a block that opened it up, and it opened up like a flower. <laughs> Right, I have to talk Ohio State some because Raekwon coming up in here next week or so. He'll be talking Michigan. So he'll be trying to get y'all to say go blue. And when he says that, just uh-uh, uh-uh, no blue in here. No blue. You mean no blue, right? Go blue or no blue? No blue, right? No blue. God help me. So he says because of all this is true, there are three statements that are just beautiful laid out for us here to 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 tell us that you know what you, you I'm going to summarize for you what spiritual growth looks like I'm going to summarize because Jesus has done all this some people think when well, I can be passive and inactive and I already said the prayer now I'm set for life false false if someone believes that they won't be saved very long because you'll eventually stop believing belief is an active thing it's not a passive thing right so, since all this is true, Jesus has opened the way. He's the great high priest. He has done all this work. We find these three statements, and he summarizes what our spiritual growth should look like. And here's our response to what is true. Number one, he says, so let us do this. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. This speaks of our building intimacy with Jesus. We draw near. Notice there's a verb in there. It's, and I love what, what Sarah shared here just a few moments ago. But as we live for Jesus, I want to tell you, the Bible says, you know, we're going we're gonna to live as Jesus, as he is now, we are. And, and we understand that as we live in Christ, we're going to encounter the same friction that Jesus had. And I want to tell you, if you don't think Jesus had a lot of friction, read the book of John. The whole thing is about conflict from beginning to end. The Gospel of John is the one gospel that, that many believe was actually written by a disciple of Jesus. And, and because of that, you see a lot of insight. You see a lot of that conflict. And you see that Jesus had to fight, literally, uh, at times, sometimes, right? But he had to fight against the demonic entities. He had to fight against the religious. He had to stand strong. And, and when you, you read the passage in John 7 where he stands in the middle of the feast, yeah, some people don't understand all of, all of hell came against him that whole chapter. All 36 verses before verse 37 where he stood and he says, if anyone is thirsty you can come to me because there are I am the well of living water and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water and he was talking about the Holy Spirit that he was giving if you read the previous 36 verses he went through a battle with hell they were trying to arrest him people were yelling him down people were calling him out in the middle of this great feast and on the greatest day of the feast right when probably the most people were there the Bible says that they they Jesus stood and he 
he announced who he was, basically. I mean, when you call yourself the well of salvation and you're referencing Isaiah 12, 3, which was the verse that they were reading as they were pouring water out on the altar, you're basically saying, I'm the water you're looking for. Understand, his own brothers didn't even believe in him. You see that in John 7, the first couple verses, because the Bible says John added the commentary because his own brothers didn't even believe in him. My point is, if we are going to draw near Jesus, my friends, it is going to take effort. You are going to have to fight to get close to Jesus. You are going to have to draw near. It's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen because you think it's a good idea. You are going to have to fight spiritual laziness. You're going to have to fight the spirit of fear. You're going to have to fight everything in hell that will come against you. You'll have to fight your flesh. You'll have to fight against that. Because if we're going to draw near, we have to make an effort to push through the obstacles that Satan is trying to throw up and, and the things that the devil tries to remind us and bring to our mind. We have to fight through all of that, remembering that the number one obstacle, my sin, has been removed because now I'm in Jesus, but I still have to push through what hell tries to send against us. I love this statement because there's no until. Do you notice that? There's, there's no expiration date on this. It's just draw near. It's because obstacles of sin and unclean conscience. Last week we talked about how our conscience will hinder us. If we don't have a clean conscience, we're going to come to church and feel weird. Or we're going to gather with other believers in the presence of God. We're going to feel awkward. We're going to feel odd. We're not going to feel like worshiping. We're going to feel like just kind of laying back. And because Why is that? Because when your conscience has stains on it, when you're carrying hidden sin, it's not going to make you feel normal. In fact, you thank God that you feel that way because the Holy Spirit is, is confirmed conflicting inside, saying, hey, these things need to go. See, there's nothing standing in the way. So now the question is, how near can we draw? Have you asked yourself that question? How close to God can I get? That's a really great question. And we ought to ask ourselves all, of that, all, that, all the time. Because you see, there's not close enough. There's not, I, 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 I've done enough. Right? It's I got something good and I want more of that. That's why you married your spouse. You've entered into an intimate relationship that you thought, you know, this is pretty good. I like being with her. I like being with him. I'd like to live with him the rest of my life. See, there's no end. It's Jesus' allegory, an example, but there's no end to comparing our relationship with God to marriage. There's no end. It's, it, it, it's, it's the perfect emblem of what we have with Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the statement he was making at the Feast of Tabernacles in John 7. He said, I'm a well with unending water. See, some people try to think, well, salvation is, is the pinnacle. Well, you know, I, I hate to blow your theology. If salvation is not the pinnacle. Salvation's the entry point. Salvation was my first drink, Brother Dylan. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of other drinking to be done inside of that well. Why would I want to stop? 
this is another point John makes. In fact, you read John, you're not sure, you, you're not t- you can't hardly tell if he's talking about the Holy Spirit of salvation or the Holy Spirit of the baptism, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, because it all appears to be one thing. It all appears to be one and the same with, with John and his gospel. It's because there is so much to taste of God. There is the depths of God. And I want to tell you something. We do ourselves harm and we do ourselves a big disfavor by stopping at a false finish line, by getting to a point like, okay, we've got it. We're done. No, 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 no. We've just begun. How far can we go now? How deep can I go in this well? How much living water can I drink? How deeper can I go in the things of God? Because his mercy knows no major. His grace knows no limit. He gives the Holy Spirit without measure is what it says in the book of John, by the way. If he gives the Holy Spirit without measure, shouldn't we be drinking more? Hannah will get me with a meme on that later. Shouldn't we be drinking more, Pastor Eric, Sunday morning, Destiny Church? Please understand the analogy. I will say I'm always, I always have to smile when I read Acts, and I think the grand reveal of the church, who, this was God's doing. He was introducing himself to the world, the church to the world. Understand the church is Jesus Christ's invention. For people who want to absent themselves from church, you're living in disobedience to Christ. But the grand reveal of the church was to make the world think that everyone was drunk. <laughs> I love that. There's something incredibly awesome about that. <laughs> because you see, I think sometimes we, we talk about, hey, we don't want to be religious, but I, I, I think all of us, including me, sometimes we don't see how religious we really have gotten. How's that? Because we gravitate to books that agree with us. We gravitate to things that agree with our opinion. And when our opinions, our thoughts get challenged, then we'll, we'll fall back, and, right? And we're all like that. And we, we, we have to just look at the, at the naked, if you will, the naked Word of God, the naked power of the Holy Spirit, and just see that there is so much more than probably any of us in here have tasted. I know many of you have tasted some great things in the Lord, but I just, I'm just here to tell you, He is calling us to draw near. And you know what happens when you're drawing near? You know you never have to worry about when you're drawing near. You never have to worry about falling away. You never have to worry about stop believing. You're never going to have to worry because when you're busy, focused forward, right? You're, you're just you, that. That's going to be your. That's going to be your pull. That's going to be the draw. When you're focused on drawing near to the Lord, some people live their Christian life like they're trying to avoid potholes. You ever driven down the road just all, all, you know, psychotic about missing potholes? Right, how'd that go? You nervous wreck when you get home? Got mean to your family? Don't talk to me! I'm all nervous! Right? Because no one probably does that when you drive. You're focused on your destination. But somehow, when it comes to Jesus, we kind of get the pothole mentality. Tells me you're focused on the wrong things. Get yourself in that well and just start drinking. Just start drinking. That's my advice. I don't know. I'm worried about that. Have you been drinking? Well, no. Well. And I'm talking living water because someone will go out here saying, well, pastor said. 
living water, draw near. Draw near. In fact, when the day is evil and godless, friends, listen, we got to go deeper. We, we got we to gotta leave the surface relationship that a lot of us exist on and that so many get stuck on. We have to go deep into his presence. See, I believe extreme times call for extreme measures of his grace. We were redeemed with the incorruptible, spotless blood of Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews has said. And I want to tell you, there is a false grace message today that says since you've received grace, you can live however you want to live because you're forgiven. I want to tell you something, my friends. That is moving away. That is not moving near. And that's why some want to know, how much alcohol can I drink and be okay? How far can I go physically in a relationship before I move into immorality? You know, how much can I do? What's the line? How far can I go, right? It's pothole driving, right? How close to the edge can I get? Beloved, I want to tell you, if you're asking those questions, you're already in trouble. The doctrine of demons has its tentacles wrapped around the church today. Because when you've truly encountered Jesus, you come to a place to say, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to allow that in my life because it hurts me when I do. It hurts the Lord. It hurts my relationship with God. You see, drawing near to God means how far can I get away from that stuff? How far can I distance myself from those things? You ever been, this may sound mean, but you've ever been around somebody that was just acting so erratic or odd? like, I want to distance myself from them a little bit, right? I don't want people to think I'm with them. And then they call you out and say, oh, there's my sister Hannah right there. No. (laughs) There's my brother Eric. Hey. He's my pastor. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I've I've never had that moment much, very often. More than three times in a row ever in my life have I ever had that. But drawing near to God, (laughs) I'm sorry, I I really should stop, you know. Drawing near to God means how far can I distance myself from the world? If I'm asking what I can do and it be okay, you're you're in danger, you're on on very thin ice because you've got the wrong attitude, wrong mentality, and, and you ought to question, did I really come to Jesus or did I come to religion? Did I really like the pastor? Right. Did did I have fun at the church? Right. Did they give me a free coffee mug? Right. Did did they throw me a beanbag in church? Welcome. Right. Or. Like a welcome gift, a beanbag, somebody like beanbag, coffee mug. Or when you came to Jesus, were you gripped by this one thing, obsession, when he came in by his spirit and possessed you and transformed you and broke chains off of your life like we sung about this morning? You see, that's the kind of encounters that God is calling people to have right now. And he just calls all of us, right, all of us in Christ. He's like, you've got to draw near. Because Jesus did what he did, draw near, draw near, draw near. And now I can draw near with a sincere, I, I like the word, you see this, the word in your scripture there, sincere heart. You can underline that or highlight it, hit yellow, green, whatever color you like right there, just highlight that thing. It's a sincere heart. So, well, how else can you draw near? Well, I can draw near out of a false motive heart. 
I can draw near because somebody wants me to be here, so here I am. You can draw near out of a fake heart. You've got a mask on, right? Or you can draw near from a sincere heart. And that's what Jesus is calling us to today. Secondly, he says, let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we say that we have. Verse 23, this, is, this speaks to our, our steadiness or our steadfastness. The first one spoke of our intimacy with the Lord and pursuing intimacy. This one speaks of our steadfastness, or, or I could say it this way, our inability to get knocked off base or shaken. I want to tell you, Jesus was the Lord of all and the Savior of the world on his worst day. Guess what? He's the Lord of all and the Savior of the world on your worst day every day all the time. I see so many Christians, they, 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 they have something terrible happen to them. It's like they quit church. They, they say, I don't I believe God anymore. And I, I don't know if they really got saved or they're, you know, they're so spiritually immature. There's a lack of growth, a lack of discipleship. But I want to tell you something, my friend. We have got to grow up, and I, I think one feeds two here. I, I think as we draw near to the Lord in intimacy, we develop that ability that we're, we're on the mechanical bowl, and they could have these you know, foam rubber bats hitting us, and the, they could kick the bowl up to 10, and it could be going crazy, and we're not getting knocked off of it. To the church in Ephesus in Revelation, what did he tell them to do? I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake. And then he says to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life. To the church of Smyrna, he says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. To the church of Pergamum, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name, right? He's like, call these people out. You live at the gates of hell, and yet you have held on to God. To the church at Thyatira, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, him will I give authority over the nations. On and on he wrote these letters. And people say, wow, those letters were written to specific churches in Revelation. Not really. You know how I know that? It's right there in the text. Every one of them says, for he who has ears to hear. Yeah, Pergamum, yeah, Thyatira, yeah. But also, hello, he who has ears to hear this. <laughs> he who has ears to hear. Here is a message we must hold unwaveringly. I, I, I accidentally wrote unswervingly. See, I was thinking about driving. You must hold unswervingly, hold unwaveringly to the hope that we say we have. You see, we have to hold on to Jesus tighter than a teenager holding on to their wad of cash at Kings Island riding a, a roller coaster. Come on, some of you have been there. You keep checking. Oh, still there. The $50 mom gave me, still there. All right, Kings Island, I used to like to go sit there. They used to call it the Viking Fury. I don't know what it's called now, but it's that like Viking ship that would go, and then it would like totally go at 180 upside down. And I'd like to stand under it as close as I get for like a shower of change that would fall out of people's pockets. It's like, cool. <laughs> Jesus calls us to hold tight to him. 
Why? Because there will be ups and downs. You will feel at times your life is upside down. I'm not prophesying it to you. I'm just telling you that's how life is. And many of you have already said, been there, done that. And I hate to tell you, it'll probably happen again. This isn't the last time someone will abandon you. This isn't the last time someone will stab you in the back. This isn't the last time you'll be hurt. This isn't the last time you'll go through a trial. But I want to tell you, what's consistent is this, is that Jesus remains faithful and he did not promise us a problem-free life or a trouble-free existence in fact we are promised the opposite actually but he did promise us a hope that will endure and a victory on the other side if we don't cease to hold on unwaveringly to the hope that he's given us that's why hebrews said don't stop believing don't give up don't give up on jesus the only way you lose is if you give up. The only way you lose is if you stop believing. The only way you lose is if you let go of it. Don't. Don't. Finally, let us take thought of how to spur each other on to love and to good works. I love this. So number one, we had our intimacy with Jesus. Number two, we had our our, our steadiness and our, 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 our hanging on to Christ. And then now this, this is our commitment to strengthen those around us in Christ. Now see, th this one kind of can miss us in the American church because a lot of Americans aren't that committed, a lot of Christians in America aren't that committed to church because they've forgotten a very key element of church. Are you ready? The key element? It's not about you. Shocking, I know. <laughs> it's at least majority about the Lord. The next biggest chunk is about other people. Why? Because if I have truly encountered the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I'm going to immediately have interest in those around me. It's just the way it is. I used to have a little refrigerator magnet that kind of said this. It said joy, and then it was an acrostic, and it said Jesus, others, you. <laughs> kind of stands up to our, <laughs> a little bit to our outline here today. You see, there's a reason why he follows verse 24 with 25. You can look at it there in your Bible or in your pad or, or phone. Not neglecting to meet together. Now, hmm, what might he be saying here? Hmm. Mm, we better consult the ancient Greek on this. Oh, wait, not necessary. It's plain English. It's already been translated for us. What did, Christian, what did, what did Christians do? What were they known for? What do early Roman historians say these followers of Christ were known for? Meeting every Sunday together and singing. And singing. You know, when, when did they gather for us? Some met every day, but they, they primarily, the day of worship was Sunday. And why did the early Christians meet on Sunday? Because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead. So says the Bible. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What is the day? Whenever you see day in Scripture, when it's capitalized like this, it's referring to the day of the Lord. A lot of different interpretations on what that might be. Uh, primarily, the day of judgment is in view. Uh, the day when we stand before the Lord and give an account for ourselves is in view. Uh, the, the day of recompense, the, the day of reward, the day where you know, Christians that, that have lived faithfully you know, will be rewarded and, and, and the world will be judged. It's just the day of the Lord. It's, it's, it's just the day of, of final judgment. As that day is drawing near we need to be taking thought the bible says now that's like we're we're we're, we're planning we're devising it's not just we, we, we don't just like you know it just doesn't pop into our head we have to plan think strategize how can i spur my brothers and sisters on to love and good works within the church how can i do that do you realize this is part of Christian? Remember at the beginning I said there's like a three-step plan for, for growing spiritually. Well, here's the third one right here. How am I contributing to the growth of someone else? Now that could either be oh yeah or ouchie. Because God has called us and we are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. God has called us because of what he did, because of Jesus making a way for us, somebody has got to be, if, if I can put this now in water ski language, there's that smooth, sweet water behind us, and we need somebody in, our, in, in the smooth place in the water so they can get up on their skis and so they can have somebody do the blocking for them now. As Jesus has done for us, he is calling us here. Now we take thought of how we can spur other believers in the family. See, some of you just kind of tuned me out right there. You say, how do you know I can tell it on your face? Haven't done this for 30 years. I ain't about to start now, preacher man. Well, you see, this is where religion comes into play. We can continue doing what we've always done and have what we've always had. Or... If we somehow believe there is more to be had in the Lord, if we somehow believe church can be more, to me wandering in on Sunday morning at 1042 and looking around and leaving a little bit early week after week when I'm able to, if, if we think there's a little more to that than being the body of Christ, you would be correct in assuming that. But here's the thing, how are we going to make that happen? Because there is more. Not this, this church, but every church could be way more than we are. Way more. They're like, well, yeah, well, our church gives away free pie and free donuts and free bagels, and, and, we're, and we're handing out gift cards and Walmart parking lots. So what? What are you doing for the people that attend your church? What's your body look like? What's your community look like? Right, we, we, we think about that so much and we forget the, the most of the New Testament talk about, you know, loving your brother and serving your brother. Talking about the people in your church. You know, the ones that people refuse to gather with in a small group or attend a prayer meeting on Wednesday night with, those ones, th those people. Those people. I'm challenging your thinking this morning because I want you to know there's so much more. And I'm convinced if we will live this book, if we will live what the Bible said, we're going to see results that may have not been seen in a while. 
You see, everybody looks at how someone else is doing it. I want to tell you, just because someone else is doing it differently doesn't mean that's the Bible way. It doesn't mean that's the right way. You can look at the, I referenced them earlier, you can look at the seven churches in Revelation, and you know what you'll see? You'll see big churches. You'll see churches that had a lot of money. You'll see churches that were, that where Jesus said, you, you have a lot of activities. You have the appearance of being an alive church, but I can see through it. You are dead. We're going to take our eyes off what man measures success by. I refer to that as Babylon. That, what, what Babylon tells me is successful, I don't need it. We're going to say, what, what does the word say? Well, the word says here, and these are just two verses, three verses, seven, okay, seven verses, two sentences. Because Jesus did what he did, thank God, thank God he did it. Okay, now it's done, it's over, he did it. Now what? We're going to live a life drawing near to him where there's no let up, there's no give up, there's no I've gone far enough, there's no I've gone deep enough, I go deeper. Number two, I'm going to hold on to my faith like my uncle's Boston Terrier used to hold on to that stick. When I throw that thing, that dog come, he'd jump back and grab that. You couldn't shake him off of it. Little tiny yappy black and white dogs, you know what I'm talking about? We got to hold on to Jesus that way. You with me? And then number three, I got to take a little look around me and say, who can I build up in Jesus today? Who can I speak life into? Who can I encourage in good works? Right? Because that's a risk. I think, well, if I tell somebody something or try to encourage them, they may take it the wrong way. Well, that's on them. It really is. Because we're called to encourage each other. We're called to build each other up. And that's not saying, hey, I like your dress. Your hair looks real pretty today. Have you lost weight? That, that, that's, that's surface. Church, hello, we've got to go deeper than that. That's Walmart greeter level. And I haven't been to Walmart, and I can't even tell you when. It's been years, honest to God, since I've walked into a Walmart. But I want to tell you, I remember the greeters are pretty friendly there. But I've never, I've never, not lately, huh? <laughs> we have got to move past that level, my friends. Who are we spurring onto loving and doing kingdom works? It's going to be difficult if we're not connected to a body and a regular engagement. You see, what we have here in Hebrews is, is, in this, is this growth plan that will make you what I call backsliding proof. I don't know about you, but I want to be backslider proof. I don't want to be like so many who start and then stop because they got choked out by the thorns. They got choked out by, by, by winking eyes. They got, they got choked out by money. They got choked out by things of the world. I want to finish this thing strong. I want to finish this life for Jesus Christ strong because this church, our church in general, listen, we have been full of a lot of starters and we have very few finishers. I want to finish strong. How about you? How about you? I don't want my name in the paper anywhere. We got churches in this city where pastors get their name in the paper, and it's not for the reasons you'd want to get your name in the paper. In little old Huber Heights, Ohio. I want to finish strong. God knows the church and where we're at today 
And he's calling for the finishers. Who is ready to say, though none go with me, still I will follow him. No, none go with me. I am still going to follow Jesus Christ to the end. There's going to be nothing that's going to hinder me. There's going to be nothing that's going to keep me from, from going after wholeheartedly for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've mentioned the book of John a couple times today, but one of the passages the Lord brought to my mind was John 11. And it includes the words of Thomas, the disciple Thomas, as Jesus was about to go out publicly to what we know as resurrecting Jesus or Lazarus, right? He was going to, he waited purposely until Lazarus was good and dead. And then he was going to go. And I, I'm sad because Thomas gets a bad rap in the church. It's Doubting Thomas. He's got a new first name. It's Doubting Thomas. I would encourage you not to call Thomas that. He was far more beastly than people give him credit for. You see, not only that did Thomas did give his life for Jesus eventually in, in the country that we now know as India, preaching the gospel. He was the one disciple who, when Jesus was putting himself in harm's way here in John 11, Thomas is the one that makes the statement. He says, well, if Jesus is going to go and die, then I'm going to go and die with him. I don't know about you, that's the kind of people that I want with me. And that's the kind of person I want to be for Jesus. If Jesus is going to go and die, then I think we all should go die with him. Which is pretty good advice anyway, because the Bible tells us that we can't even be saved unless we deny ourselves, take up our cross. And follow him. Follow him where? Follow him through life carrying a cross? No. Follow him to the top of the hill. We've misunderstood that passage as well. You deny yourself. You take up your cross. You follow Jesus. Not dragging a cross down through life. You're going up the hill. You're going up the hill. And you're going to be nailed to the cross. We're going to die. And when you die to yourself, you're going to let the life of Jesus just come explode through you. Hallelujah, Lord, we praise you. I love you, Jesus. You see, the kingdom man or woman finally come to the realization that coming to church or coming to prayer meeting isn't about me. It's about my brothers and sisters. And I want to tell you, this whole this passage here in Hebrews, this whole plan is best executed in the presence of other believers. You draw near to God with a sincere heart. Since we know God already sees your heart, who does the sincere heart part benefit? Others. Hold unwaveringly to the hope that we say we have. So unless we're talking to ourselves, who are, who are we saying we have hope to? Others. Take thought, devise, plan how I can spur my brothers and sisters on in their faith even more. You see, this is why the kingdom man or woman won't neglect the things that are important because they understand how much we need each other. They understand when we grow together, we become stronger than just an individual unit and together we become the body of Christ. See, there's people sitting home today saying they are the church. No, you're not. You're only the church when you gather as the church. 
as an individual, you're not the church. Now we're the church. And understand that there's some key important things that God is calling us to this morning calling us to greater in intimacy, calling us to hold on to our faith unwaveringly with, without any shadow of turning. And he's calling us to invest in someone else, to spur others on to good deeds and to spur others on to good works in the kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Right where you're sitting, just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship the Lord. Uh, that's okay. Just lift your voices to Him. Lift your hands to Him. Come on, let's let it be a pure expression of our worship to the Lord right now. See, Pastor Hannah, maybe you could help me on the guitar. That's fine, too. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Let's just go after number one right now. Let's go after number one right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ruta ta la 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 de 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 asi. Ruta ta sol la 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 de 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 asi. Ruta la 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 de 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 asi. Ruta la la de 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 asi. Ruta la la de de Let's stand to our feet. Lift your hands to the Lord if you're not already. Let's just call out to Him right now. Some of you need hope. There's some people here today, you need hope. You need hope in your life. It's not saying you don't know the Lord or haven't known the Lord, but I'm saying you're just not you're not at a place right now where where you're putting your faith and trust in the Lord and it's just kind of wavered and you've got fear is directing you and doubt is is pounding you and and it's just time right now. It's time right now to surrender fully to the Lord. It's time right now to surrender fully to his ways and his will and let him just infuse you with hope, eternal hope. Come on. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.